to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. Hello and welcome to the Payroll Podcast. Today I'm really excited because I am joined by someone who I've been following for some time on LinkedIn. You may know her too. She's very effervescent. She's comedic. Some would say she's somewhat outspoken, but I'm joined by Katie Sharp, who is Head of Payroll Services at Safri. She's with us today on the Payroll Podcast. And for those of you who are not familiar with Katie, I advise you fire up your computers, fire up your laptops, have a look at your iPhones right now and go and find her on LinkedIn and click follow. Katie's a senior payroll manager, as I say, and she's not afraid to speak out about the injustices and the pressures that those working in payroll feel every single day. She openly promotes positive change, which is fantastic. She wants to make the world of payroll a better place for us all. And what is really unique in Katie's case is she always manages to do it with a huge amount of humour, really good grace, and with a smile on her face. I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today. The hashtag payroll humour has become synonymous with Katie's posts. And I mention this because you'll find them in nearly everything that she writes on LinkedIn. She has a lot of comedic talents. I'm sure you'll see that come to fruition in this podcast as well. And I want to find out a little bit more about Katie's motivations, uh, the motivations behind the articles that she's writing, uh, the motivations behind why she is so vocal about the issues right now that are affecting payroll, and also why Katie thinks we should all be right behind some of these issues that she's bringing to our attention within the payroll industry. So I want to tackle those. And I also want to find out a lot more about Katie's visions for the future. To give you some context to Katie's experience, she started in payroll with Northgate in 2008 and since held payroll managerial positions, top right group and Bauer Media. And as I say, right now, she is senior manager for payroll services with the leading accountancy firm, Safari Champlers. Katie has a wealth of skills across payroll, including gender pay gap reporting, payroll analysis, payroll legislation, tax, staff management, process improvement and more. So without further ado, I'm super excited to have you here. So welcome, Katie, to the Payroll Podcast. How are you feeling? Thanks, Nick, for that welcome. A little bit pressured to be quite funny, I'm going to be honest, after that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't worry. I think it comes naturally too, so I think we'll be absolutely fine. So without putting under any comedic pressure, let's, let's go right down to basics. Five quick questions. Let's set the scene a little bit for the listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about... I guess how you got into payroll, how your career journey started in payroll, and I guess what's led you to being with me on this payroll podcast now in in 2019. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm not one of those people that ever says I fell into payroll, which I think you'll find 99% of the community do usually say. Um, I started as a trainee at Northgate when I was 18 years old. Um, And I had a really good education there at Northgate. They taught me all of the basics. um, And I think starting out in an outsourcing environment gave me a really firm foundation of um, what payroll entails. I was there for four years um, and got promoted to be an administrator. Whilst I worked there, I worked with Top Right Group. And when Top Right Group decided to take their payroll in-house alongside their HR service, they asked me to go with them. So that saw me go into London to go and work. So I spent a couple of years in London with Top Right Group as their payroll manager. It was one of those positions where it was called payroll manager, but I was the only person working it. So yes, I was managing a payroll, but it was just me. 
That was brilliant. It really exposed me to how finance worked alongside payroll, how HR worked alongside payroll and gave me a lot more exposure, I suppose, to strategic position that payroll can be in. And then due to family reasons, I'm based in Peterborough in my personal life. So I decided to come back this way. There was a position at Bauer Media the HR and payroll systems manager position. So I came back to work at Bauer Media and was there for a couple of years. That was fantastic. Can I just say, working for a media company, you will never experience the social scene Mm -hmm. than you do working for a media company. Absolutely fantastic. I loved working at Bauer Media. I had a couple of years there and I definitely was more part of the HR scene Um, I got a lot of exposure to how HR works, very minimal payroll processing going on. I just oversaw the systems of what that looked like. And again, a lot more involved in the strategic position in terms of the reward strategy and different things like that. But it got to a point where actually I knew that payroll was my original love and I wanted to be really on the ground dealing with payrolls and making a real difference to employers and employees ensuring that they were getting the best process. So I heard that Safaris were expanding their team. I hadn't ever worked in an accountancy environment before. And I thought, actually, this is the right situation for me. So I joined Safaris in May 2017 as an assistant manager and was promoted twice last year onto manager. And then in October 2018, I was promoted to senior manager. So I now lead the payroll services team here at Safaris. Fantastic. Well, I think it's a, a really great synopsis and a chronological view of how you've got to where you are. And a lot of people do wonder when they're working in the trading or administrative level positions as they are now, you know, how they take the next steps. But it sounds like mm-hmm. the role you had at Top Right Group, which is in recruitment, I'd call that a sole payroll manager position. That gave you really mm-hmm. good sort of 360 view of all aspects of payroll if you're the sole person responsible for it. I'm presuming in that role you were dealing with things like P11Ds and the year end process yourself as well, or was that with finance? No, I um, was responsible for the P11D process. That's the one role where I um, worked with P11Ds. I can't say that I'd rush to do it again. Sure. But yeah, I got that experience, tick that off on my CV for the P11D process. And like you said about talking that through from the trainee position to where I am now, I think my career for me has definitely been about trying to touch base of everything that can happen in payroll and getting sure. as much experience across that entire spectrum as possible. It sounds like after Top Right Group, you then at Bauer, you've got the HR systems and strategic piece, which can sometimes be quite difficult to obtain that experience if you're working in the sole world because you're so busy in the day-to-day getting everything processed. So it sounds like a really mm-hmm. logical move. And then, of course, back at the Safari now, you're managing a team so it builds in a, a that management piece. And obviously, you've moved up to the ranks twice in the last year, which is fantastic. So Brilliant. What a really good start. Now, for those that aren't familiar with your with your work so far, Katie, and obviously for my introduction as well, I think it's pretty fair to say that you're very passionate about not just payroll, but about advancing the payroll industry as well. And I know that recently you actually went to the lens of starting a government petition, which was all around payroll regulations to protect the industry from, and I quote in your article, you put cowboy payrollers. Can you tell us a bit more about what this is and what it is you're hoping to achieve for the petition? Definitely. But I have to actually start with an apology. I was 
told off at length on LinkedIn for referring to cowboy payrollers. So I'd like to apologize to genuine okay. cowboys for insulting them and using their job title in a derogatory <laughs> manner. So let's get that one out of the way. Um, if I explain the process of what I would like to achieve with the petition, um, it's very similar to the pensions regulator, this image in my head, in yeah. terms of however the payroll is achieved, an action of signing onto a government website saying, for this PAYE scheme, I process this payroll, I declare that I will comply with all legislation, tick the box, sign it off, away it goes. And that's the end of it. But what it comes down to is then if you are going to process a payroll, you're not qualified, you don't have the experience or the support. If something goes wrong, you then actually have the responsibility of, hang on, you once said that you could comply with legislation. That's now not happening. We have fines in place. There's a naming and shaming process. So exactly the same consequences as what the pensions regulator dole out to people. I see it being extremely similar because the pensions regulator is so heavily tied in with the payroll industry. I don't see why it needs to be dissimilar. For me, it's about bringing in that responsibility. And I think I really need to be clear that I'm not saying that all payrolls need to be processed by an outsourcer or all payrollers need to be processed by somebody with the CIPP foundation degree. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you are going to process a payroll, you need to do it well. It needs to be 100% accurate, 100% efficient to the absolute T of the legislation because at the end of the day, what is on that person's net pay will take effect of their whole life. But unless you're working in a voluntary situation, people don't turn up just for the pleasure of working for a business. It is about what is in their net pay. And as a payroller, we have full responsibility for that. I know so many cases of people that are running payrolls from their living room and doing it really well. That's not the people that I'm talking about. I'm not trying to target those. I'm talking about people that just have a stab at it. It goes wrong and then somebody else needs to pick it up and try and deal with that situation for these employees who can be impacted for years and years if it isn't done correctly. Sure. No, I can I can completely understand that. I think, you know, when you're dealing with payroll complaints and we, we do you know, complaints handling and recruitment, I'm sure you do it in, in payroll when you kind of all you get is going to be someone saying my pay is incorrect. It's going to the nth degree, though, when someone calls you with concern in their mind, they're saying you know, if there is an issue because there is a lack of regulation and there are people out there that, that are managing payrolls that perhaps shouldn't be. You know, from the employee's point of view, they're going to go right to the nth degree and go, well, if my pay is incorrect, then I can't manage this bill. If this bill isn't paid, then this could happen mm -hmm. and maybe they'll take my house or maybe my partner will leave me or I can't afford the funding for X, Y and Z. And they'll go to the nth degree because in their mind, an incorrect pay can actually change their world. Now, we know that in reality, it's very rare that one single payment will have that knock-on effect in one instance. But from the minds of the employee, they'll always imagine it for a worst-case scenario. And if we can prevent mm -hmm. that from happening and improve the accuracy and the efficiency of it's being delivered, then why would anyone really be against it's kind of my view. Mm. I mean, the pensions regulator works really well. You all know anyway, I was in full agreement with this prior to this podcast. Um, I signed the petition 
um, earlier than we even agreed to do a podcast today. Because the fact is, I think with you, the apparel industry should be regulated, as you say, like nearly all other financial industries are. I'm with it. I think if it ultimately improves the standards of the industry, then it's a good thing. As you may know, or others that have listened to these podcasts, I think there's something else. I think it does need some independent ministerial governance. I think right now we've got a Secretary of State for Work and Pensions in Amber Rudd, and we have a, a chance of the Exchequer and Philip Hammond, but neither of these ministers are really focused on payroll. So with that in mind, Katie, and with, with payroll contributing so much to the government economy, do you think having an independent minister in addition to a payroll regulator, if you like, do you think that would also help improve the payroll industry? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, actually. I think when you consider a lot of people will say, well, Amber Rudd covers that part of what we do. And actually, I think it's really important to point out that I don't think she does. I agree with you, Nick, that I think that there's a lot of going around when the government are considering things. Pension is such a high priority. The gig economy right now is such a high priority. But payroll as a basic never really makes it that high at the agenda of when these things are discussed in the government. So I think it would be a massive improvement to the industry, but also a huge improvement to the employees that are actually doing the work and benefiting from the payroll industry's work as well. Sure. To know that, that there is somebody in government that is there primarily to protect their net pay I think that that would work wonders, not just for the industry, but actually for the entire working class of the UK. Yeah. And and also what a great position to aspire to become if you're working in payroll and you have political aims and you want to get to the top of your profession, you know, whether it's working in in a capacity that supports that role or even in that role. I think it's something that with the amount of money that the payroll contributes to the economy, I think. And we're going to talk a little bit more later, I know, about the future of the payroll industry. So maybe we'll come back to this point. But Talking about your articles, your articles rather, I read your recent one on gender pay gap reporting. I can see this is obviously something that you're really passionate about. In your article, it started with real optimism. I think you said it was a monumental step towards true gender equality for women in the workplace. I completely agree. But then you were genuinely excited. However, fast forward to the end of the article and it appears your excitement wanes a little bit. It diminishes, as you can see, that still not enough in your opinion has been done. Um, I think you say at the end of the article that Ryanair had more bad press for introducing new luggage fees than they did for only employing eight female pilots. Um, well, we're almost ready for the next set of reports, although you wouldn't know it because there seems to be very little um, <laughs> news going out there at the moment about this, but it is due to happen um, the due in April. So how are you feeling now about the gender pay gap reporting and what do you think the impact is going to be? I'm completely split. Half of me is still quite down about last year's results. I think we had a period of three to four weeks after the deadline where it was very much in the press. The press were using it to vilify certain employers and and run through all of that. And lots of employers were coming out to justify the gap. I was really disappointed to see that Not many employers were coming forward to say, okay, we hold our hands up. That's what happened. Now this is what we're going to do to change that. It just seemed that there was a lot of defensive behavior rather than proactive. Okay, it happened. Let's draw the line and let's move forward. And I think that's why I now feel that actually everybody swept under the carpet once the press had had their day. And now we're in a position where this time last year, we were all discussing it 
what was going to happen, who had already put their figures out there, who hadn't, who wasn't going to do so. That conversation isn't even happening this year. We've not particularly seen many people being called out in terms of what's happened in the 12 months afterwards. So there's that side of me that's feeling a little bit down about what's happened so far. I think we really could have had a lot more activity around this. But there's also the other side of me that truly acknowledges that I do think that this is a five-year process. I agree with quite a few people in the press that have discussed around Okay, the first year was about getting the figures out. Nobody truly understood this complex reporting requirement and what needed to be included and what could be excluded. So it was all around scrabbling to get that figures together. I think this second year will be more a a slow process alongside the third year, another slow year of moving forward. And then I do believe that I think in the fourth and fifth year, we'll really start to see Um, some of that start to go up. I mean, if you consider that if a department is entirely made up all male, if in this year they have managed to, and say that it's an industry that's predominantly male and has been for a very long time, let's let's say plumbers, for example. If that department's got eight males in that department and the company have done everything to recruit females in this last 12 months to really move those figures up, If they've managed to recruit one female, that's brilliant for them because actually they've had their first female. They've got somebody in the department. They've been successful and they probably will continue that drive and continue to recruit more women into that industry. But for this first year, having that one woman in the department versus the other eight men, their figures are going to look exactly the same, if not worse, because now there is a woman in place. So, I think that really needs to be considered that people may have put a lot of effort in in this last 12 months and we might not yet see that positive step forward in the final figures. I think the figures were quite basic and I hope that the government will reconsider what that calculation looks like so that it can display the comparison, I suppose. I mean, on the website right now, you can only view one at a time in terms of each year. And I know that you can flick back and forth. I think it will be a maximum of three years, but I think it would be a lot more beneficial to be able to view those side by side to see where companies really have put the effort in. And here we're starting to see a slow flow of more women into the upper quartiles and even into certain departments where you haven't seen women before. So I think that there's a couple of things that the government can consider. So I'm very split on it at the moment in terms of I think the press aren't hyping it up enough and therefore it doesn't put as much pressure on it. some employers to do things about it. And then the other half of me really acknowledges that some employers are putting a massive effort in it just won't come out in their figures yet. I mean, the fact is, at the moment, there's still, I think there's less than 20 CEOs on the boards of the FTSE 250, um, mm. which is which is a, a terrible figure. And actually, what we do, mm. also we do payroll recruitment, but we do marketing recruitment as well with our marketing division. And there was a study conducted by Marketing Week, came out only last week, a 2019 study. Uh, it's called the, you can Google it, it's called the 2019 Marketing Week Career and Salary Survey. But it showed there, and this is in marketing, which, you know, you mentioned plumbers before, but there's no reason in 
in marketing, it should, there should be any disparity at all. But actually, it showed there that mm-hmm. women are still learning less than men across every single sector and every single level of seniority. I mean, there's just no justification for that in any way. No. Um, but as you say, there's not enough information going out there highlighting these cases. I haven't seen anything go out about it. There seems to be so little hype about getting the reports done. It just seems a little bit strange. Definitely. I totally agree. So tender pay gap reporting coming up in April. What are the other things you've got on your payroll cycles in traffic? Well, obviously here at Safaris, we're a payroll bureau. So with the increased number of clients and PAYE references that we're dealing with, year end can be particularly taxing when you've got a higher volume of year ends to run through, the 11D processes to run through, supplementary pay runs. I think we're on a really, really good foot this year and I am literally tapping on the wooden desk as I speak. (laughs) I probably just jinx my entire team who are holding their head in their hands as they (laughs) hear me say it. But yeah, we're in a really good place. We've got some people coming to do some payroll experience with us and we've timed it over that period. So hopefully they get to see the exciting, intense period of payroll that we go through for a couple of months. And also we get the benefit of having some extra hands on board. And I've also managed to time one of my team's kit days over April and May. So hopefully with baby brain, she's forgotten that I've timed it (laughs) for tax year end (laughs) and I've duped her in. So that's what we're gearing up to. We've got some really exciting projects going on as well that probably aren't as much to do with the payroll calendar, but more for us at Safri Champness in terms of how we're gearing up for a higher client base and a lot more around working a lot smarter. I'm all for thinking about instead of having a a much higher headcount, how can we do this more smoothly? How can we be a lot more productive and show initiative for our clients and to benefit the employees? What can we do to step forward? So there's a lot going on behind the scenes to bring us forward in terms of our process improvement. And presumably, uh, you know, being part of a, one of the, I think it's the 12th largest accountancy firm in the UK, if, if that if data is correct, but, you know, with making tax mm-hmm. digital, I'm assuming that's having a big mm-hmm. impact on services and workflow. I don't know how much that, in, that immediately affects your payroll running, but certainly from an accountancy perspective, it must be quite a busy time for the firm at the moment. Definitely. And I know personally, in terms of making tax digital and HMRC pushing more people through having their personal accounts and checking their employer accounts, it's raising the game in terms of the queries that we're getting. Obviously, a lot more employers are being proactive about logging on to their HMRC account and checking that everything's up to date. And I'm sure that many People have seen my comments around HMRC and and their ability (laughs) to be just as proactive, definitely generating a lot of queries now that people are getting onto that digital platform. I always think that HMRC have these great ideas that definitely are ready to come out, but whether HMRC are always ready to be on top of that as well makes me wonder but we'll see we'll see what happens good good well there's, there's lots more we still got to talk about particularly about the future of the industry i think you've touched upon something i didn't know about initiative you're obviously doing at the moment which um, we'll go into i imagine in more part and part two which i just heard that you said you've got some trainees coming in to experience what it's like to work in a payroll department i think that's fabulous i'm probably mm-hmm. gonna ask a bit more about that later having picked up on that because one of the questions in part two is very much for how we go about encouraging more people to choose payroll as a profession 
So I'll be keen to, to go there a bit later. But first, we're going to go to a quick payroll song advert for a song we've just released at JJ Recruitment called My Payroll Career. And then we're going to come back and find out a little bit more about you. If you work in payroll and you haven't checked out our latest song called My Payroll Career, then it's just been released and it's available now on iTunes or Amazon. Here's a little snippet of it to get you started. Enjoy. You see, I love payroll and payroll loves me. I don't mind liaising with HMRC. I love manual payments and calculating SMB. Yeah, payroll is the career for me. And that was My Payroll Career, available now in iTunes and Amazon Play. Right, back to the podcast. Time to find out more about you. So, Katie, how would your friends or work colleagues describe you? Now, I didn't want to assume on this one, okay. Nick. So I asked Jane Hill, the partner that leads our team, and um, one of my other colleagues from the right. team. And the response was, nuts. <laughs> oh, so it was a joint response for both of them. They both came back the same thing. Excellent. <laughs> Apparently, that's how they all view me, um, whether my friends would say the same as my work colleagues. but So it's a good job that obviously I didn't answer myself and make an assumption. Otherwise, they might have been trying to get you to recall the podcast. Sure. But apparently, nuts. And I think that probably just leads around my passion and constantly wanting to change everything right here, right sure. now. It's quite important that I always have somebody on side to just say, well, let's consider this before you dive in and do that. I, maybe I could swap the word <laughs> nuts for personality. That certainly comes across in your posts and your writing, for sure. So listen, tell us something then about you that perhaps others won't know about you. Well, I was once the under 10s British champion of ballroom dancing. Oh, wow. OK. Fab. Yes. Under 10s. That, yes. You, and you continue I've... it? Have you continued it or did you stop it at 10? I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I stopped when I was around 13, 14, obviously a little bit too cool for school at that sure. age. But then obviously at that time, I didn't realise how much money you could then go on to make if you could land a spot on Strictly Come Dance. could have been on Strictly. It have been amazing. And then you wouldn't have had my hilariousness on LinkedIn. What a great way to bring payroll to the masses though, right? Maybe it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different question, but if you've heard this before, you'll know where I'm going. You're abducted by aliens who want to learn more about our species. What's the one item you would take with you? My Christmas tree. Oh, okay. Actually, yes. I've seen a post about this. You haven't taken yours down yet, have you? Mm. No, I haven't. My Christmas tree goes up on the 1st of November every year. Then I try to keep it up until Valentine's Day. And I've been successful this year and it is still up as of today. Oh, I'm assuming you have a fake Christmas tree or do you actually keep it watered and fed? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've just got some half-dead zombie tree in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fake Good tree. You. So tell us a little bit why, why that is. You're obviously a passionate Christmas fan. Christmas is my life. I am truly obsessed with Christmas. Christmas, everything. I'm actually getting married on the 27th of December this year. So wow. um, all about Christmas for me. Not great news for my fiance that's probably listening in thinking, and she's still got the tree up now. <laughs> <laughs> I have said, I don't know, it was a documentary years ago about an individual who had Christmas every day. Then they made Christmas dinner every yeah, a long that. time ago. <laughs> Fair enough. That's cool. Christmas tree will come with you. I would eat Christmas pudding. I'd eat Christmas pudding every day if I Fantastic. could. Fantastic. Or fit the Christmas tree in the, End up looking in like the flying one. saucer. It's going with you. What game or instrument would you teach them? Yep. Prosecco Pong. Okay, cool. I like the Prosecco side of it. <laughs> Is that the same as beer pong? Very similar to... 
It is, it is, but with Prosecco glasses and Prosecco, obviously. Sure, nice. My wife would be a big fan of that game as well, so she'd be on site. <laughs> what would you tell them about humans? Don't eat whole human, first of all. I always imagine that aliens are quite menacing and coming to destroy us all. So firstly, recommend that you don't eat a whole one. And then I would explain Christmas to them. I think that that'd be quite a good way of getting them on board for the jolly side of humans. You can get them playing Prosecco Pong over the, you know, around the Christmas tree. Yes. What truth yeah, or course. human trait would you hold back? I think for me, and this one is obviously going a little bit serious in comparison to my other answers, but most of the isms, so all of your hatred that goes on sometimes around your racism, your sexism, the homophobia, all of those kind of things. I don't think humans, I think sometimes it's something that happens and it's horrid, but that's just the way it goes. So I'd want to try and keep that off their radar as much as possible. Sure, sure. I think that's fair enough. That's, it's, uh, as you say, a slight, slight change in tone, but, uh, but valuable nonetheless. Well, listen, we're going to go to a quick advert break. We're going to jump back into some questions about the future of the industry. So stay with us. Einstein famously said that insanity was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We believe it's time to try a new approach to recruitment. JGA Recruitment specialise in recruiting the top 15% of payroll and HR talent using innovative 24-7 attraction strategies that are proven to improve quality of hire, candidate retention and return on investment. De-risk your recruitment process today and hire better talent faster with JGA Recruitment. Visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Katie, we've talked a lot about some of the changes you want to see happen in the future and I want to keep to the future of payroll at the top of our agenda. So for these final questions, if it's okay, I would like to kick off with asking you why you think it is that businesses are struggling so much to recruit and attract Gen Z people. So that's those born between 96 and 2010 predominantly. Why are we struggling to attract them into the payroll profession? I think it's just around that age-old image of payroll that is still in people's minds so the mystical big red button that's pressed once yeah, a month yeah. the little old lady in the dusty corner of the office, office process yeah. yeah windowless office tapping away inputting the overtime each month and not really doing much else for me that's a hundred percent of the reason why we struggle with getting that generation into the business. I think, uh, funnily enough, I don't know if I should actually disclose this on our podcast, but this is absolutely true. When I started in uh, payroll recruitment 17 years ago now, when I was first you know, introduced in how I should approach a payroll manager, I was always told to remember that the person you're speaking to is likely to be in a back office function. They don't get any calls or interaction with any other function. The only call they do get will be a complaint. <laughs> and uh, they'll be really thankful for your call because although it's a sales call, it won't be a complaint. Just remember to be very uh, empathetic when you speak to them. And that was literally what I was, how I was told to approach power managers when I first started. So I do think we, <laughs> I do think it's moved on an awful long way since it was when I first started in the payroll industry. But I agree with you. Like, why is it, do you think then that we're struggling to really remove that stigma or those associations of old school, stuffy environment when really the reality is nothing like that anymore? Why do you think it's staying and what do you think we can do to remove it? I don't think those of us that are working within the industry speak up enough about what we are actually doing. I think that we just, because we're in such a deadline environment. So if you're working on a weekly payroll, you are literally hour by hour, minute by minute churning away. And 
your job in the last 10 years since RTI, since auto-enrollment, since gender pay gap has changed so astronomically. But who in payroll has got the time to actually sit down and spend the time and say, actually, my job has completely changed. I deal with all of these things. Do you understand this? So I really think it's about payrollers taking that time and speaking up. And when there are things that aren't working great for you and you feel like you're being judged or stereotyped or put away in that back corner, it's about taking that time to actually sit down, know everything that you are doing and that you would like to be a part of and you think that you could contribute towards for your business, whatever type of business that is, and actually talking about that rather than just taking it month in, month out. It's about speaking up and being transparent and putting yourself out there. I think it really, it only is down to payrollers for us to change that image. And that image has so drastically changed that it is time that we all band together and talk about this. And whenever I do my funny posts around all of the things that payrollers have to put up with at year end or throughout the year, and I know I put a funny stint on it, but the number of people that come forward and say, yeah, that is so mm. true. We have to go through that. Well, why aren't you saying, actually, no, I'm not going to give you another copy of your P60 in the next 20 seconds. I gave that to you eight months ago. So actually, you're going to have to wait. And I've got a KPI of 48 hours to respond. I'm very busy right now. I will give it to you within the 48 hours but I don't have to deal with it right now. By payrollers put so much pressure on themselves with the deadlines that when we get to January and every man and his dog are requesting their P60s again, we give it to them, which then gives the image of, well, they weren't busy anyway because they've just given me that P60 within 20 seconds. Actually hold your ground and say, actually, I'm really busy with January payroll. Actually, this is what I'm doing right now. I'll give you that. I'll give it to you at the end of the week you should have saved your copy from last year. And just being really, really firm and clear, like every other financial industry does. For me, it's quite interesting because I see it obviously from a totally different picture to what you'll have actually working in payroll. I've worked in the payroll industry all my life, but I've never processed payrolls. It's not what we do. But obviously we have to attract Mm -hmm. people into the industry. And I think the industry can be more as a whole to say, look, it's a great profession to be in and it comes with loads of opportunities. And here's why. And look, we we touched upon this in the podcast I did with Max van der Klis-Persink. I put it in my song too. But the reality is we've got access to tech, the latest tech, whether it's AI or RPA technology that's coming in and systems, you can move your career into implementation and project management if you wish to. You can move into management and manage large teams that are paying out huge sums of money, much greater than other professions you could walk into. You've got access to decisions that can make huge differences to company profits and bottom line and attrition by the way that you process and manage your payroll function the efficiency of it. Um, it gives you access to analysis and figures, which are always exciting, and spreadsheets. And a lot of people do love a spreadsheet and the, and the things you can do with them. So for me, I think it's a really easy profession to sell. If you're coming out of university and you're considering mm-hmm. a position in finance as a management accountant and you're starting at the bottom of the ladder, actually, what about payroll? Potentially, you can get to the management role quicker. And it gives you access to all the things that actually Gen Z tend to like, which is tech and analysis and uh, figures and mm-hmm. you know, all those things. 
I don't know. I just think the profession could do more. I know what you mean. I think it's again about that speaking up piece around being transparent about what you're doing makes it more obvious to that generation of what they could do were they to choose Mm. our industry. So it's very much about, actually, I'm working on this project right now. It's given me a really great opportunity to introduce a a new cloud-based system. I'm working with the developers to engineer this cloud-based system exactly how we would like it to look. I am then dealing with the marketing piece to the employees, the clients, all of that communication. So it's not just everybody needs to step up and say, these are the things that I'm involved in. So yes, month in, month out, I do have to process the payroll. But outside of that, what are we doing as payrollers that makes our lives, our jobs that bit different to just sitting there tapping away at that red button month in, month out. It is the transparency of our industry and not keeping it all close to our chest because whilst we're just sitting on it and not talking to anybody about the pressures or the excitement of what we're doing, nobody else knows. So why would anybody else want to come and work in our industry? Why would Denise from sales recommend her son comes and spends the summer with us. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not just about marketing to that generation. It's everything. Because what 16-year-old really got puts themselves out there? Usually it's their mum or their dad that says, oh, I've heard so-and-so's got this position or there's this possibility. Why don't you go and do that? It's rare that you come across a 16-year-old that really puts themselves out there and puts themselves forward and knows what they want to do with that. So it's about the entire piece, I think, not just marketing it to that generation. It's about really stepping forward and talking to everybody about that. I think it's all really, really linked. I think once we change that image to put ourselves forward for how respectable and the level of expertise that we hold, I think not only will it put our own image up there, I think it will lead very naturally into that next generation sure. starting to flood through It sounds through like well. I didn't know before doing this podcast, but it sounds like Safri, Chapliss and yourself, Katie, you're doing something already. Because I met, You mentioned earlier you've got some trainees coming in. I don't know what, what that involves, but talk, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what, what's happening then with the people coming in to, to observe your payroll function. What we found a couple of years ago was I think that there's nationally – a bit of a recruitment shortage in terms of really good payrollers. And that was really obviously going to happen when we're not getting a younger generation in. And if we don't do something drastically, then that's only going to get worse. So we found that we were struggling to recruit at a higher level. So we thought, right, let's stop that. What we're going to try and do is bring in these trainees. We will train them ourselves and we will get them to promote through the ranks and move on up into those senior positions. And by doing that, we found it easier to recruit because being able to have the transparency of this is really what your career could look like, that really encourages people to come forward. When you're recruiting people and saying, oh, come and work for us as an assistant manager, and we've already got a senior manager and two managers, people kind of think, well, where am I going to go next? If you're bringing in trainees and saying the sky literally is the limit, people are a lot more forthcoming. It makes it easier to train because you're training 
your processes, your way, your systems. You don't necessarily have that backlog of that experience of different ways of doing it, which I think sometimes can muddy the water. And you're also making sure that you've not got that bottleneck at the top. So we've had some really, really successful recruits in the last two to three years. And not just necessarily that younger generation. We've had some mums that wanted to return to work and really, really were very excited to get on board with a career. So that's really exciting um, to be able to be a part of that. Yeah. So in the next, I think it's the next four weeks, we've got a trainee coming to us and Safri's are a training firm. So every September they have their graduates come on for the accountancy side of things. Now, at this time of the year, my team are extremely busy. So if we've got some graduates that are potentially free from around now and they're not going into the graduate scheme with Safri's until September, then obviously for me, not only having that younger generation in and giving them the experience of payroll, we benefit from that. But I think that it's really important that people on the other side of the financial sense get that payroll experience because then you've got accountants that actually really understand and appreciate what payrollers do you've got finance managers that get what we're doing and i think it just then broadens again that image of what so payrollers you've got are doing first-hand experience of these coming through and how they perceive payrolls. if you had to describe the payroll industry yourself versus how you think the gen z see it how much do you think the image would differ from the reality hugely i don't think that you could get any further on the spectrum i think if you know me so payroll is my passion and this industry i've worked in it since i was 18 i will always work in payroll it is my career i chose this as my career i did not fall into it i love this industry the fact that i get to deal with the employees i get to deal with the employers i get to help them with their strategic position on gender pay gap reporting, auto-enrollment, thinking about how they're going to move forward with their next year's payroll and looking at that. Just the absolute huge breadth of what I get to be involved in. And especially then as a senior manager, I'm I'm helping my team build on their careers, their experience, their training. It's just phenomenal. Of When I think of the last 10 years of my career, and what I'm involved in now, it's crazy to think that I'm now in this position and I'm able to have my finger in that many different pies as part of the payroll world. And I, I think even a lot of people that work within payroll struggle to see what their next step will be. It's definitely achievable. And there is so much possibility for payrollers to move forward and keep their career within payroll while still getting the experience and the change throughout that. So, like I said before, I think the younger generation, when they hear the word payroll, they just think of somebody's nan working in a hidden away (laughs) office um, just tapping away, and and that's not what you say is true for me as well. I'm I'm not a payroll person, but my industry has always been payroll. I don't see myself leaving the payroll industry as a recruiter, as well I know, as well I've always done, and I think I'll be in it for the foreseeable future for me as well. Um, and you're talking about people don't know where to go in their careers. Well, you know, there are specialists. I'm going to plug myself for a moment, but there are specialists out there that can help you with those moods. And there are mm-hmm. umpteen number of opportunities that you can develop your skills into within payroll. And there's, 
you know, we've placed payroll sales director last week, all the way through to project managers, implementation consultants, payroll managers. You can go into global payroll. There's outsourced payroll, in-house payroll. You've got obviously the client payroll side that you're in at the moment. There are so many opportunities people can move in and, and advance their skills. So if you're ever in that place, you're not quite sure where to go. Now, there are people out there like myself and, and many others as well who can help you with that journey. So rather than leave the industry, which sometimes people do because they can't see a, a way out, you know, get in touch or, mm-hmm. or even speak to Katie on, on LinkedIn or whatever it might be. There's lots of, you know, vocal people out there uh, like myself and Katie who would, I'm sure, be very happy to help. So, so do reach out if you're in that position. But moving forward, mm. after reading the CIPP's Future of Payroll Survey Report 2019, which is a great report, I'll put a link in the episode notes for those that haven't seen it. It's, uh, it's free to access. You said you thought that you were, and I'll quote, a radical lone wolf with some of your observations. <laughs> okay, but that was in relation to the future of payroll <laughs> until you read the report. So with that in mind, what are your predictions for the industry, Katie, over the next 12 to 18 months? Can I just say, I put all these posts on LinkedIn with all of my opinions and Ken Puller at CIPP has said to me before, Katie, you say what everyone else is thinking. And I always think, oh, nobody agrees with me. It's just me going on about all these things. And then I read this report and thought, no, they do agree. They just don't shout about it all the time. So the biggest prediction for me and the one that I'm most passionate about and I'm most excited about was on the report. If you read any part of this report, go and read page eight. So it's talking all about where does payroll fit? The question is human resource or finance, but we are now getting a stream of people coming through that are saying, no, we don't fit into human resources and we don't fit into finance. We are payroll and we are standalone and we'll work alongside finance and we'll work alongside HR, but we don't work for you. We are our own being. And that really excited me that we're now starting to get this stream. So I'm really hoping that when we get the report next year, that that number takes over one of the others, preferably yeah. HR. <laughs> I actually, you may have seen it. I did an article on this but, as well before the report, about, I think it was about six months ago, about where it sits. And actually, we got the same response. There's an article on LinkedIn, so you can go to my articles, you can search and find it. It was more of an open question, and I gave my thoughts on how I see it as a recruiter. But I got a similar response, huge amount of people coming back to me saying, no, it doesn't sit in either. It should sit as its own function, on its own merit. So, yeah, um, yeah there's... There's a lot of people that seem to have that opinion. Yeah. And I think, again, if you are part of a payroll department that is sitting within HR or it's sitting with finance and you don't think it belongs, write down your reasons. Don't just sit and moan about why it doesn't belong or why you don't like working as part of that department. Write down some really fundamental, intelligent reasons and then take that to somebody and talk about it because it's probably it's always sat in that department and nobody's ever considered that it might work differently better more productively as its own department so lead that thought pattern if you've got that thought think about it talk to somebody about it and move it forward and this is how we'll see that number rise so for me that's what I would like to see in the next 12 to 18 months is that that figure of standalone payroll departments Fantastic. shoots Fantastic. through now, the roof. Something else. Sorry, go on. You say something else? Uh, just another part for me around the the risks and the inquiries that people are dealing with as part of payroll that was mentioned in the report, how 26.5% of the respondents had seen an increase in the volume of inquiries and 
I do feel that payrollers need to knuckle down with that because the way that legislation is going, I think that actually that's going to continue. I don't think that that will drop back down. So consider resource, consider if you need to put some information out there on intranet or as fact sheets to try and cut that down in a more organic way, because I don't think that employees will slow down with the sure, number of inquiries kind of that they've the got. The last question I've got before we open the vote, which was, I was going to say the report highlighted um, within the report that the level of expertise a payroller now requires, and of course the risks they must manage and mitigate if they want to run a successful compliant payroll service. So it's kind of linking onto that risk point. Mm-hmm. In your mind, what else do you think could or indeed should be done then to raise the profile of the industry? We talked a lot about the profile today. So that those outside of the payroll circle can start to understand and appreciate its level of importance. So for me, it's around qualifications. And I'm not saying that you need to dive in, that everybody needs to dive in for the most expensive, lengthy qualification. But I think that there has to be some level of qualification present in a payroll department to prove the knowledge and the expertise. And I think this is how we will begin to stand toe-to-toe with other financial industries that we are the same as, but we're just lagging behind a little bit. And I think the qualifications will be really fundamental in pushing that forward. So I think if there is an opportunity for you to get some training, whatever level that's at, Start to do that and talk about that and shout about that, the training that you're doing and really, really push that forward. Or if there is training that you'd like to do and you've not considered it before, again, do your research and then go forward and speak to your employer or your manager about what you think that can look like in terms of pushing right, your right. payroll I think also it's forward. worth mentioning on the qualification side. It's worth doing a little bit of research to check that the course that you're doing. Obviously, I'm not a payroll person, but I see this, you know, I, I look at skills all the time and what companies are looking for. Try and make sure that the courses you're looking to do are relevant to how the, the industry is moving. Now, I've, I've been involved in discussions with the likes of CRPP who are very much on top mm-hmm. of trying to make sure the qualifications stay relevant because the industry is changing at such a rapid pace, not just legislation, but technology as well. That, mm-hmm. you know, what you don't want to do is, is invest all of your personal capital and time capital into doing a course that by the time you finished it isn't as relevant as it should be. So so I would say do spend a little bit of time doing some research on what you're studying. Definitely. So we're going to open the vault. Entering the vault. What is one piece of advice, Katie, you would give to someone working in payroll right now? (laughs) Hang in there. (laughs) However you do it. Because I know that the anxiety is starting to build around this time of year in terms of how you're going to, how year end will go, whether that's in terms of how busy it is or the levels of changes that are going to be running through your payroll and the legislation that's coming through. I mean, Welsh tax codes. And I keep hearing people uttering about grandparents, parental, shared parental leave. I mean, come on. So... Yeah, just hang in there. Like this industry moves the UK forward and we keep the UK paid. So it seems like it's a really crazy busy time. And I think it'll be a little while before things start to level out, but really keep going. And if you're really struggling, speak up about that. Don't just keep it to yourself. Don't just have a little whinge on a Friday afternoon to the person that sits next to you. Really, really go and talk about that, about 
needing some extra resource and moving forward to be the best person that you can be. And that will enable you to push Text, forward the image of the profession. Keep calm and hang on in there. That's, uh, that's the best piece of advice. So with the benefit of yeah, hindsight, definitely. what would be the one career decision you would change? Hmm, that's a really tough one because I've loved all of my career, to be honest. Maybe I would have completed my payroll degree prior to having okay, three yeah, young children. <laughs> yeah, maybe I would have. I started it when my eldest daughter was very little and I wish that I'd cracked on with it because now I've got a nine-year-old, a six-year-old and a four-year-old and I'm trying to complete wow, my final okay. year. that makes sense. Tough. I've got two and I can understand how difficult that would be, mm. alone three. So, um, well, kudos. You, you've got a year to go. We'll, uh, we'll have to celebrate when it's finished. <laughs> Definitely. And if my tutor's listening, then please just give me all the empathy give me all marks. the empathy coming marks. away for sure. I hope they are listening. <laughs> Fingers crossed. If you had the power of foresight <laughs> and could change the entire payroll industry with just one action or one improvement, what would that action or improvement be? I would get the 10,000 signatures needed right. on my petition. It's not self-serving. It's actually, it's, I truly am doing this on behalf of my industry, not on behalf of just outsourcers, as I've been accused of. I am totally committed to the entire payroll industry. So I really, really believe that regulation in some form, however that may look, will push this industry forward and just enable us to get the credit that we've deserved for so many years. And I know that so many years have flown by with people really being up against it. But now let's change that. Let's be the rock stars of the financial services. Actually, we're the ones that are keeping the UK paid. And let's shout about that. And I really do think that regulation in some way will enable a huge right. change I think we should to start our industry for the better. We keep, we keep the UK paid. I think we should start something new and see if we can get it trending. But no, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, the narrative <laughs> of this podcast, for those who've been listening uh, from start to finish here, would, would clearly show your sincerity regarding your passion for the industry. I'm going to put a link to your petition in the episode notes. So for those that haven't voted, if you want to know more about it, um, you can click on the link without actually putting your signature to the petition, but you can certainly click on it and find out more about it. Uh, and then make your own minds up. But, you know, mm -hmm. I've signed it. I'll, I'll put a link in the episode notes for those interested who want a quick um, access to that petition and then you can access it in the episode notes. So second to last question, Katie, who motivates you and why? Clichéd, but it totally right. has to be my daughters. They keep me going every day, if not just because I don't want to stay at home in the house with all they three of them. Well. Not your daughters, <laughs> me. My, my daughter and my son are me too. I get that. Yeah, fantastic. Great. <laughs> Uh, last question. This might be a tough, the toughest one yet, I think, for you. If you didn't work in payroll, what would you be doing? That is a terrible question. I don't know how I'd answer that. I've always worked in payroll. What would I be doing? Maybe I'd be some sort of circus performer or comedian. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what my nan would wish for, for me as a career. But yeah, maybe something uh, quite performery. I quite I, I love public speaking and um and all of that kind of thing. So maybe something along those lines. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Peril Podcast. I've been really excited about doing this one today. I'm, as you know, I'm a huge follower of all of your posts. Uh, we often share each other's posts on LinkedIn as well. We're trying to hopefully both of us trying to raise the profile a little bit in our own little ways. But if anyone isn't following Katie on LinkedIn, then I will put a link in the episode notes to a LinkedIn profile. 
go to the profile. You can get in contact with Katie. Obviously, you can follow her as well so you don't miss any further posts. So I'll make sure those links are in the episode notes. I'll also put a link to the Futures Report, which was released by the CRPP and the petition that's mentioned. And I will also put a link to safri.com, S-A-F-F-E-R-Y.com, which is where Katie works. It's worth mentioning that Safri Chapness is, I think, the 12th largest firm of chartered accountants in the UK. That's based on the Accountancy Age Top 5050 survey. Huge turnover. They offer a range of accountancy services. If you're interested in the business, take a look at their website as well. But otherwise, I think we are just about covered for today. So a huge thanks, Katie, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. And I look forward to speaking to everyone again in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist payroll recruiters. If you would like to feature on a future podcast, please contact us. For a wealth of world-class payroll content, please visit us at jgarecruitment.com. See you next week.